Welcome to Musical Osmosis, where intelligent dissonant thought meets melodic euphonious reality. I am your musically magnanimous host, Nick the Saucy One Catsaurus, broadcasting as always from the top of Meth Mountain, Tennessee. We are without our beautiful co-host Odell today, but that's okay. Yay! I'm running solo because I have my amazing producer, as I always say, the beans to my cornbread, the mac to my cheese. <laughs> Mrs. D. Prizer. What up, what up? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was watching that show last night. Um, oh, what is it? It's not how things work, but it's a similar concept oh, on yeah, Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't know this, uh, but Mrs. has supposedly is being scrubbed out of the like universal verbal lexicon. Really? People aren't supposed to say Mrs. anymore. They're supposed to address everyone as Miss whether they're huh. married or not. Have you ever heard that before? I also, on the internet the other day, somebody said, because somebody they were talking about Halloween costumes, uh-huh. and they said, the, they, they said the G word. They said it with like an asterisk in it, like you would do to an offensive word. And they were like, what's, what word is what's this? What's the G word? And they said gypsy. And they said gypsy is no longer acceptable to, to actually say the word gypsy because it's racist against Romanian women. Okay, have you ever so heard of such a thing? I, I have a question. I have a follow-up question to answer your question. If you're no longer allowed to say the word gypsy, um, what's Cher going to sing? Blanks? Tramps and Thieves? I don't... What's Cinderella going to sing for Gypsy Road? I, this opened... Right. What do people 
I, there are people on the internet. I've who seen gypsy roads. Gypsy. It's great. Right. I don't. I don't understand. I I understand some words are just the N word. That's a terrible, terrible. They word. said this was the equivalent <clears throat> because it oppresses Romanian women. I'm sorry. I how they were exterminated during World War Two. And that sucks. But I've never heard. I've never met a Ukrainian woman who ever had a problem with the word gypsy. By the way. I ate some peanut butter and jelly before the show, and now my stomach's all queasy. So I'm good not job. running at peak efficiency. Yep. <laughs> you got to stay away from peanuts, man. You just... I do. Like I'm, I'm a just a fucking glutton for punishment or a gluten you are. for punishment. <laughs> You're gluten. Oh my god. I always eat payday bars and peanuts. I'm Greek. I can't stay away from the nuts. Ah. Yes. That sound. That that's funny. In many at least ways. I didn't say gypsy. All right. Let's take care of business here because okay. we've got a great guest tonight. Uh, where can everybody find us on the interwebs? Of course, wherever you are right now, you can also find all of our episodes on musicalosmosis.com. Super easy peasy. Um, and you can find us pretty much anywhere your favorite podcast exists. Just look us up on Musical Osmosis. And, uh, you know, we I heard we got a couple of emails today to our Facebook of um, bands that would like to appear on Musical Osmosis in the future. Yeah, kind of cool. people are finally getting to know who we are. I We've got a lot of great shows coming up. We'll wait to the mm. next episode to release them because I'm still waiting on some guest lists. And um, just <clears throat> something real quick, me and you have been cast in our first play in New York. No, no, no. Huh? We have been technically cast in what is called a musical. Is it a musical there's, or a play? Well, there's there's a lot of music, a lot of music. I think it's a musical. Because there's a lot, like the characters sing. It's a lot of music. Yeah. Like it's a lot. Anyway, yes, uh, yes, we will both be performing in an off-Broadway show called Circle of Eyes um, in mid-February in New York City, and um, by the lovely Katie McHale. Yes, and I'm I'm actually really really excited. I I have a very 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 small part. But I get to wear a costume, so I don't care. And you're um, also very theater-oriented, where I'm oh, not yeah. actually as much. Yeah, which is funny, because you've got a bigger part. <laughs> yeah, I just kind of forced gulp my way into these situations. You I don't did. know what the fuck I'm doing. All no, right, let's get today's guest in here. Yes. We've got a lot to talk about. Tonight's guest has been a huge contributor to the punk scene over the years. Yes, From his yes. current work with bands such as Screaming Bloody Marys and the Un- Fortunate bastard to his contributions to bands Wiki Pages, Wikipedia Pages, and um, the upcoming Dwarfs memoirs, to of course showcasing talent on Die Laughing Records and the Die Laughing Records podcast. We welcome the CEO of Die Laughing Records and a true staple in the East Bay punk community, Mr. Dave Dalton. I just like saying her name. Dave. <laughs> Thanks yeah, a lot. Yeah, welcome. First time here. I'm glad um, yeah, man. we finally got you on air. I know we've been kind of trying to get everything scheduled, so thank yeah. you for tolerating my fucking neurotic self. We just I launched this great. network, so we finally <laughs> was able to get everything to work. All right, everything's going good. Everything's going good. I, I can hear you guys good, actually. All righty, fair enough. Hey, before we dig into all things Die Laughing Records, I got to tell you something. I always do a lot of research for these shows, and ah. I was going through your Facebook page, and I don't get surprised that often. It takes a lot to surprise me, and I was looking at this birthday flyer for this birthday party slash show you're putting together on November 2nd, 
and I oh, was yeah. fucking blown away. I actually went to a couple different places to confirm the info because I thought I was out of my mind. I can't believe you are 66 years old. I thought you were. Oh my yeah. Age. What? No, I'm 66. No. 1953. <laughs> that wow. is insane. You look like you're in your mid 40s, and you have the energy level <laughs> as somebody that's in their mid 40s. <laughs> I try. Don't let the hair dye fool you. See. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm. I, if I I tried to go gray. I didn't try to go gray. I let my sides go gray over the summer. Yeah, me I'm too. Like, I'm yeah, good. I'm gonna do this I'm fucking good. Doctor Strange, read Richard things, and be cool, and it just looked ridiculous. <laughs> I love it. Love it. So yeah, I'm I'm, I'm alive, doing good. Um, the label's thriving. All the folks on the label are just tremendous folks, and uh, you know, like the last couple of days, I've been I've been getting. I collect records. I collect vinyl. You know, and uh, every time I look at the mailbox, you hear that sound, Dave? A, That's like ten thousand kids googling the word vinyl. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, one of the biggest things I I have a vast collection. I collect BBC Rock Hours, bootlegs, test pressings, uh, records from the sixties, fifties. Um, it's just it's amazing. I even hippie records, psychedelic records. I don't care. I love it. You know. Um, yeah, and that sound and, you get from vinyl. And here's what's crazy. Um, I was getting into all these weird, like, LSD psychedelic bands from the 60s. And there's this what? cat named Moondog. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He's the um, Viking that? of Fifth Avenue. Moondog. Oh, I've heard the name. I've heard the name. Right. And I'm you looking, know. and he's got, like, nine albums out. He made these albums, like, these really, like, bohemian instrumental right. albums back when he was homeless. And they called him the Viking of Fifth Avenue. And I went wow. and pulled his numbers for when he was alive and how many albums he sold. And every album was like, you know, maybe 100,000, 50,000 runs. You know, 100,000 right. was like the max. It was 50, 60,000. And then you look on his YouTube and he has like 600,000 fucking views. And I'm like, this guy's <laughs> been dead 30 years and he's getting way more traffic today than when he was alive. That's crazy oh, that's how it works. You know, I told I, back in the old days, I when I I first discovered rock and roll was in 1964, sitting in front of the television at my parents' wow. house. I come home. I was a little Cub Scout. Came back from a meeting on a Sunday. I remember it vividly. So come in, all the families around Ed Sullivan waiting for him to come on, and all my sisters were in front. I go, "What's going on?" They go, "The Beatles are coming on. The Beatles are coming on." I I said, "Oh." So I sit down on the floor with all the kids. I have my little hat on. I, the Beatles come on. I swear to God, guys, I got these goosebumps. I almost started crying. That's how much of an impact. I went into my bedroom, took my shit off, never put that shit back on. Never. Wow. Never did. Life and I went out and I never did. I, was I believe it. I, I totally believe it. I um I used to watch American Idol every year and now still yeah. I watch um America's Got Talent and Nick can testify to this. I always know when a singer is going to go far because I get goosebumps right? every single time. The year that it was Clay Aiken and Ruben Stuttered, I said Clay Aiken was going to win. And yeah, he should have. Yeah, that's a country, country singer. He's a country singer, a skinny guy, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. He should have won yeah. that year. And everybody said, oh, he got robbed, whatever. But he's still more successful than Ruben Stuttered is. And I knew because oh, I, got, yeah. I get goosebumps every time. Like, you know, the, the little girl that won uh, Grace Vanderwall a couple of years ago. I got goosebumps yeah. the first time I heard her. 
every time right. it happens. And I've, I've told Nick, I said, you just wait. They, they always do really well. Cause it's like your whole body feels it. Oh, isn't it great? Right. Just, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I just want to, after I seen the, after I seen the Beatles, um, I begged my parents, I begged them, I want a t-shirt, I want a t-shirt. And uh, they wouldn't give it to me. My grandmother says, if you mow my lawn, I'll get you one. Okay, I get the t-shirt, where it's still, I get, and I come, they sent me home because I couldn't wear that t-shirt, it was inappropriate, you know. And um, that's how, but from there on, fuck it, I, just, I, I started going to shows and all kinds of stuff, man. That was great, good times. Well, let's no. talk a little bit about your history, because I imagine you were there at the inception of punk. What was that scene oh, like yeah. back in those days? Well, you know, everybody always says, uh, you know, New York punk is bigger than the British punk, and then the Ramones are the king of punk, Sex Pistols, blah, 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 blah. Let's go back a few more years, okay, folks? 1969 to 70, right? We have the Who, tearing shit up on stage, fucking shit up, you know. Then... We bounce down the road a little bit. Then we have the glam rock, kind of glam rock, the faces, Slade, so forth, T-Rex. And I've seen all those fucking bands, okay? So the first thing I heard about punk, I, I heard about it in Trouser Press magazine. Then there was a, it was a special that Tali Savalas, the ball-headed guy, I don't know if you guys know who Tali Savalas is, the actor. Who um, loves you, baby? Yeah, there you go. Fuck yeah, Nick. So, <laughs> Come on, I'm Greek. So, of course I know who Telly Savalas is. So, so all of a sudden, there's a, there's a program, or there's a thing that's uh, um, late night Channel 7 News. Uh, after Channel 7 News, there was a late night call. It was like Nightline almost. Telly Savalas was hosting it. And he goes, he goes across the pond. It's, it, it only matters. England only matters. And I go, what is this? Fucking punk rock. I don't late night TV. And I just go, what the fuck? I heard about it. I, I kind of heard about it. And it's just like, and I was impressed with the Sex Pistols, Chelsea, uh, The Clash. Fucking, I can go even deeper. The Subway Sex, the, the wow. Buzzcocks with, uh, Howard, with Howard DeVoto magazine. You know, I was so obsessed with that. I, I even went to a couple of punk shows before the Sex Pistols landed. When the Pistols landed at Winterland, the Avengers opened up, I think the nuns. Well, Crime was supposed to be on that show, but there was some argument with management and Bill Graham, whatever. But when they came, everybody goes, oh, the, the Pistols suck, Sid can't play. I don't give a fuck. It was, it was impact. These guys brought back, they brought back simple three chords, simple three chords, instead of all the bullshit we had. The Peter Framptons, uh, you know, all that bullshit. And that yeah, everything was overproduced and over manufactured right? in that era. And I mean, I love Alice Cooper from that era because he was kind of like the anti hero of that era. And even right. though he was a rock, psychedelic metal band, whatever, I mean, it's hard to kind of nail him down yeah. genre wise. Um, but he really kind of turned that world upside down. Yeah, he did. You know, it wasn't for Frank. Frank Zappa had a record label called uh, Pumpkin Records, and he signed Alice Cooper, I think, for the first two records. I'm not really yeah, sure. Yeah, um, Pretty's for You and Easy Action, 68 and 69. Exactly. Now, when Alice Cooper got the chicken and ripped his head off or whatever the hell it was, um, he came to Frank Zappa and goes, oh, my God, we're going to get in trouble. He goes, no, man, that's good publicity, you know? Um I was really never, I mean, you guys are going to kill me, and I know all your viewers are going to kill me. 
I was really never into Alice Cooper or Kiss, any of that that thing. I was more into the British rock, Nick. I was into the Faces, my all-time favorite band. Uh, I was into those guys, T-Rex, Spiders from Mars, you know. There was not that many American bands I really liked at the time. Well, let's shift gears here because I want to talk about kind of from inception to where we are today. And this is this is a ridiculously broad question. But if we could just kind of skate around here a little bit, what do you think has been the hugest changes in the punk community, the punk culture over the last 40 years? Because you've been there pretty much since day one. Well, for, for for instance, well, one thing I always see on Facebook, punk is dead. It's not dead. It's evolved. It's grown to different shifts. You know, when punk rock came out, it, it was boring before that. Um, I think punk rock has changed some. Um, you know, everybody gets mad at Green Day because what they said a trend. Um, I think punk rock got boring right about during the Green Day. I love Green Day. As a matter of fact, I'm my friends. But I don't know. It's, right now, punk rock is what it is. It's what you make it. Um, Again, um, when I see a new band today, um, I, you know, some band on, uh, I don't know, on the, on the, I see a video online, I go, who are these guys? Or, okay, for instance, we have a big club out here called the Fillmore, right, Nick? Right, We have right. a big club out here. And you I get know these what bands the on is. here. Yeah, and, and you get these bands on here like Alien Something Boy. How in the fuck are they headlining in there? Who Wait. are these guys? But this is with, you know? with the internet, social media, everything digitalized. I remember, and I'm younger than you. You've probably got, yeah, you've got almost 20 years on me. But I remember okay. the days of standing in front of Smash Records in Georgetown in D.C. and handing out flyers or handing out demos, putting flyers oh, on telephone yeah. poles. I think there's yeah. something lost when you could just sit and do everything. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm I'm up yeah. here in Tennessee in the middle of nowhere. If it wasn't for podcasting, I'd be picking fucking flowers off the wallpaper and going Jack Nicholson shine. <laughs> so like <laughs> hooray for technology. I'm not a neophyte. I'm not down in technology. But what I'm saying is yeah. you lose a little bit of the romance when you're not no, you out did. there pounding the okay. pavement. Okay, Nick, you got you got that. I'm glad you're bringing this up. Back in the days of the 80s, end of the 80s, 90s. We had no social media. We had no computers, no cell phones. Pagers are barely coming in. All we had was a bag of change, quarters, a phone close by. We had a stapler and some makeshift flyers. And if we're lucky enough not to get busted by the cops and get a ticket. That's all we had. These Today, these kids have it easy, have it made. They do. I mean, God bless them. But we pounded the pavement. A lot of bands exactly. like the But there's also the Kennedy. flip side. There's so right. much to sift through to find those little nuggets of gold. It's right. almost impossible to break through. So in some ways, it's actually harder to be a band now because you have to yeah. do like 10,000 videos just to get seen by 10 people. Right. Some people go, how do you make it, Dave? I go, I don't know. You know, I have a track record. I've been on a label called Sympathy Records. That was a big label almost like sub pop. And then I was on Dr. Dream, you build up a discography throughout your years, you know? Well, when I see a kid, these young kids, like the Jonah brothers and all those kind of kids, fuck at the snap. They're, they're making it, man. I'm going, what the fuck? You know? And sometimes I am against American idol. 
I mean, I, I like watching. The only thing I like about American Idol is all the chaos and the auditioning and people are getting. Hey, let's, uh, let's talk about some die laughing now, records. Tell me about the inception of this. I've been digging around in the website. I've been listening to the podcast. You guys seem like you really have your shit together. You're showcasing some great bands. You seem like you're growing super successful. Tell me about the yeah. inception and the journey that kind of got you where you are today with them. Because you well, are the CEO. Yeah, well, you know, I, that name, the CEO, I kind of laugh about that sometimes. I, I'm just a regular Joe. You know, right now I'm sitting in my home office you know, wearing pajamas. All right, well, you're the CEO. CEO, there you go. If that so suits we, you, I started, <laughs> I started, I, Me and my friend started this label in 89. And the reason why we started it, because, uh, like, when the band Screaming Bloody Mary started in 89, Every every band had their own label, like you know, Bad Religion had Epitaph and so forth. Right. So we started in '89, and back in them days, doing singles, black vinyl, was cheap. You can, you can press about 500 for 300 bucks. You can't do that today. So I started doing that. Several singles with Bloody Marys and a couple of splits with with, with Team Generate, the Candy Snatchers. Uh, I think we did one with Alexa Frankenstein. Ah, I'm Candy not Snatchers sure. from my old yeah. neck of the woods oh, yeah. in Virginia Beach. Oh, those guys are such great dudes, man. And and uh, we did a lot of that. And then uh, as the Marys went along, the label went along, I got tired of both. I stopped at about 96, I believe, or 97. I went away, played in some other bands, just that, whatever. Then in 2014 came up, um, I, I was working with a, band, uh, with a label called Hellamad Records, and it taught me some stuff, some wake-up calls of young, working with youngins, you know. And then um, it, it kind of folded and floated. You know, and then my girlfriend goes, well, why don't you restart your die laughing again? This is 2015 now. So I started it up as a back catalog. I got all this vinyl and cassettes and shit. Smart. So as, so as time went on, time went on, I, I, used to, I went to Gilman Street to see MDC Unplugged. And then there was a young lady that was playing on that bill. And um, I'm not going to mention her name because she gets angry. I don't know why. She's off <laughs> okay. her rocker. So, so we, she did really good for us. And I really appreciated her until we had a fallout. Then from there, uh, Sam McBride from Fang came up to me, started seeing the label grow. And hey, he goes, hey, man, Dave, let me work with you. I go, dude, I don't got deep pockets. I can't afford you. And, but he, ever since I signed him, Nick, the label started charging up, you know, and then East Bay Ray from the Dead Kennedy. Then, that paid off really. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, big time investment, man. I mean, when the when the label when he came in, I already had other bands like Bite was on the on the you know on the label and and the Nerve and so forth. But when Sam came in, he raised the bar, Nick, like three feet high, because. Once once that release came out, boom! It shot out, shot out like a bullet, and he's been with us ever since. And I told him, you know, you, you can always go to different labels. He goes, no, I'm gonna hang with you guys because what he likes about our label, Nick, is that we promote, we promote. He says, you know, we do oh, more than you guys any are label great with promoting. Since day one, I was talking to you guys. Have been promoting the, like my stuff. You've been playing even Steven on the podcast. I madly yeah. appreciate it, man. You know and. I ran into Fat Mike, and he gave me props. He gave me kudos. Even in, a, in an interview he did, he gave me props. Uh, what's his name? Lawrence Livermore uh, from uh, Lookout Records. Uh, he gave me big-time props. 
You know, he's making, he's writing a second book and he's going to mention the label. I think that's kind of cool. You, know, no. you have bands like you have East Bay Ray coming to me, coming to me, which I'm flattered to re-release his record that never caught any wind. We had the Vibrators coming to me, uh, uh, Union Thirteen. So I'm having a good time. I'm learning as we go, Nick. You know, I'm learning. You know, but that's good the, that the, you're 66 and you no. never stop learning. And I mean, yeah. I've had people on my show. And this isn't just a music show. We also ha- used to have a kettle of fish podcast with a bunch of different actors and stuff. And they would check right. out something I did on YouTube before the show. And they're like, oh, I really like what right. you did here and here. And I'm like, that's worth more than like any kind of paycheck I could ever make. Knowing somebody I've been a yeah. fan of for 20 years is digging what I'm doing. That's like that's right. way more of a payoff than a fucking some kind of check someone could write me. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, we just do the best we can promote Every band equal. Every band is treated equal. Some bands that can't play often, um, I'll do the best I can to promote them. I get one or two bands that are grumpy, you know, and I'll tell you why you're grumpy. It's because you're not out playing, you know. You're not out there waving the white white flag, you know. But I just um, I just want to do the best I can on this label. Now we're into the radio thing, just like you, Nick, you know. Um, I'm already getting some offers, you know, to, to do some little books. And, and, you know, I don't know anything about books, you know, but you want I'm me to write. I'm pretty sure you'll figure book. it out, Dave. You seem to have good yeah. instincts. <laughs> yeah, you know, but there's a lot of guys that, in my age, that have a lot of knowledge and been around in the trenches. And were successful way better than, than me. It's just the right time, the right, right place and the right time, you know. Well, let me well, ask right you now, this, because we're time. kind of yeah. winding down a little bit here. We've only got maybe 20 okay. minutes left. Um, Die Laughing Records, do you have a mission statement and kind of like a game plan long term? Or are you just st- like grinding it out and staying focused on doing the best possible work today? I'm, I'm, I'm doing this, doing the best I can today. I don't know what the long term focus is going to be. You know, we all might die tomorrow. Who knows? You know, we've been off. Yeah, that's more likely than ever now. Yeah, you know, it is. And um, we've been offered, we've had offers to to buy the label because what they say, the brand is bigger, you know, the name is bigger than the brand or something like that. I said, no, I'm not going to sell. As long as I'm alive, man, this thing's going to keep going. My son's starting to learn it too. He's 12 years old. But we have people like Jillian, Elizabeth, the Go, Go, Go Girl. We have Rock Chrysler. We have Rodney. I said, look, man, if I kick the bucket today, keep the fucker running, you know, keep it running. No, but we, we're going to keep doing, uh, just keep going forward. That's it, man. You know, Jillian we, is we have, a fireball. I have no doubt she'll keep oh, it running. She is man, a force of nature. Jesus Christ. I mean, without her, we just sit still. We're like, we start sitting still and getting lazy. She's behind us all the way, man. You know, and you I appreciate need her. that person. Absolutely. Hey, we're going to play some um, Screaming Bloody Marys. We're going to play some Bloodbath. Real quick, kind of explain, the band's been around so long, you used to have a female vocalist, and then Bloodbath I saw on the old album and the new album, and I thought it was really (laughs) clever what you named a new album, following up to the old album, but I'm a little bit lost. Like, you have Get In, Get Off, Get Out, Get More, which is really clever, follow-up to the other album but it gets a little bit hazy 
the timeline, just real, like, give me like a two-minute synopsis on a timeline of this band. Real fast, Spider started it. We started together in 89. He quit about 97. Jennifer Noel came in for like six months. She, uh, we imploded. We all quit. I come in 2015 with the new la- with the label. Dick Manitoba from Dictators had to come back in Slims, correct? So he wanted the Bloody Marys. I had no singer at the time, man. Nobody. So I assemble what I can get, you know, some of the old members. I needed a singer. I see Angelique on Facebook. Ah, this use her. From there, we were, we were at it for four years. She quit because she had to go to different frontiers, which God bless. Then I got drafted and singing in this because we're auditioning, but nobody can do it. We, I, I told the last singer this auditioning, listen to what I do. So I sang it. Danny Norwood, my guitar player from Social and Rest goes, we don't need a singer. You sing. I used to be in cell block five and sing. So this is where right. we're at. And, and we're working on a new record in December, a four song EP for hostage. So, um, it's a whole new band, and uh, I'm really proud of everything. And we debuted at the Crash Fest this last August, and we were a success. Sweet. I so does that. it feel different then? Like, is this like, are you at a level you felt like you weren't at a few years ago? Yeah, I felt good. Energy, vibrato was there. I don't scream and shout. I sing these songs. And the guitar playing and singing and jumping around for an old man. I think I did pretty good holding my anchor. Down. <laughs> well, you know? like I said, man, so. I, I was checking out some of your stuff, and I was and and I went over to the website and pulled the flyer too, and I was like, I I can't process this. This dude's fucking sixty six years old. I hope I'm <laughs> in your shape at sixty six. I'm already forgetting stuff and like, ah, like my. You know, my, my bones are crickling like a fucking Jacob's Ladder and shit. And, like, <laughs> you're 66. I, you give us hope. You've, you've got that Shatner gene. Shatner's, like, what, 107? <laughs> and still pumping out fucking Star Trek movies and albums and books. Yeah. And crazy. Oh, man, it's amazing. But we do uh, – I'll let you get going. But we have shows. We, the next couple of shows coming up, we're playing with the Addicts. We have shows with Agent Orange. We got shows with uh, Michael DeBars from Detective and – power station and uh and uh, we're, we're working on some shows with steve jones as well so you know we're just moseying along having fun and i'm playing acoustic as well on, on the side yeah and i so want to touch having... on that so hang tight because we're going to play some bloodbath and we'll be right back
All righty, we are back. Right. Um, Dave, let's talk about yeah. Unfortunate Bastard, and let's also talk a little bit more about Screaming Bloody Marys. These are two very different types of projects. With Unfortunate Bastard, that creative process, is it a lot tamer because it is kind of like a more mellow form of music? What's the energy level like? And at 66, like I said, you still have the energy level of like an angst-ridden teenager. The whole thing is when I left electric music, I, I just wanted to venture out and do acoustic, you know, and um, there was more things out there. I think the reason why I went to acoustic because I couldn't revamp electric. I was just like tired of it and shit. So I started learning stuff and watching people like uh, Chris Whitley. He's a, he's a dobro player. Uh, Neil Young. Uh, I was focusing on the on the Pogue, Spider Stacy, so forth. And uh, I started jumping on big punk rock shows. And for some reason, they were digging what I was doing. I only play four songs on stage. I can't last past four. And then um, start writing. I was in a band called the Old Cheeky Bastards. And then uh, it imploded. It imploded, so I ended up being the unfortunate bastard. <laughs> oh, you're smart. So, yeah, you know. So, and then we made a. I made a record, uh, the unfortunate bastard with friends called Hobo Circus, right. which has people like Black Dahlia from the Dwarfs is on it, Knox from the Vibrators, Dave from MDC's on it, Cinderblock from Tilt's on it, on on and on. And I thought it was a good little record. So, um, I've been, I've been playing on some showcases or on some bills with Kevin Seconds. Um, the lead singer from Avail, he has an acoustic project. I forget the name of the guy. And, Tim uh, Allen, I, I think. Or Tim Barry. Tim Barry. Yeah, Tim, yeah, Tim Barry. And I got to see it open up for um, for Dave Davies of the Kinks on an acoustic thing. And, um, you know, Midger from Ultravox, you know, people like that, you know. So I'm really having fun. So when the Marys aren't playing, you know, I, I go out and do acoustic to keep the midnight oil burning. You know what I mean? So that kind of thing. So, do you feel to, like yeah. in the scene, like you're the wise old man on the mountain? Or do you still feel like you're right there, like in the middle of the pit? Just feeling wise, not literally, because I would probably yeah. die if I went into a pit today. Yeah. yeah. But do you do you still feel like like one of the kids? Or do you kind of feel like, hey, I'm the, I'm the wise old punk guy who's been here for years come get some knowledge from dave dalton well i i try to you know, the funniest thing nick um people go well you're in the scene i go i don't have a scene i'm not nobody's scene you know because um you know i i hung out with a certain couple some scenes and there's a lot of angst there in people you know they're, they're always depressed so i just try to keep away from all that if somebody asks me for advice i'm totally going to give it to him that's a true fact i'm always giving it to him about writer's credits or how to learn how to tune a guitar or or try to get on a bill i just try to you know i, I just stay in a certain level i look at everybody you know i don't know but people say die laughing is a scene now i go i don't know i don't, I don't see it nick you know what i mean i try to i'm humble i try to I don't know. But, but if it means something to people, then you're doing good work. I mean, I just I was talking to an actor friend of mine the other day, and I was telling yeah. him he was really depressed because of the political environment. And I said, hey, me and right. so-and-so, which is somebody else in that world, was just talking about what great experiences we had with you. And you would have never known that if I didn't just send you this email. 
So you have no right. idea like how many people are sitting around going, man, dude, die laughing records. I was in a fucking pissed off mood. I put on like episode 39 of the podcast and it really lifted me up. That's happening. I'm sure it's happening because I'm sure it happens with musical osmosis and it happens with anybody who's out there oh, creating yeah. honest content. Um, speaking of Dave Dalton Wisdom, you're somebody I admire, somebody who's been in this scene uh-huh. longer Thank than you. I have. Yeah, I mean, you have a lot of good miles on you, good tread on right. you. Please tell me, what do you, how, let's say, how do you define success personally? Uh-huh. And what do you think you need to be successful in any kind of creative endeavors like music? Yeah, in music, you want to behave yourself. You want to be straight up, honest. You know, sometimes music can be smoke and mirrors. But you always want to, you know, all the way down to the sound man, all the way to the band on the same bill, be kind. Don't come in there like like you're selling a million records. Because people could see attitudes and bullshit like that. There was a time in Hollywood you could be a dick and they had no choice but to keep you around if you had talent. You could be like Roddy Jr., whoever Iron Man is, Roddy Dowdy Jr., whatever his name is. Yeah. And there's just so many options now. You have to be cool now. You got to be, you got to be kind of kind to yourself. First of all, be kind to yourself, man. You know, and don't go on there and, 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 you know, like you're the king, you know, knocking people around. And, You'll be successful. You will. You know, I've been through a lot of bullshit when I was in my early days of punk rock, you know, and I survived. It seems like when you get older, Nick, in the 60s, late 50s and 60s, and think you're starting to get all kinds of kudos and looked at, you've made it. It's like going back to America and Idol and all these young kids. They haven't been in the trenches like us. And God bless them. I'm glad they're doing that. Well, I'll tell you what I told Dave Smalley when we had him on a while ago. I said, look, I'm not going to go out touring. I have a family. I have a good career, like nine to five job. All I feel like I can do for the kids behind me is showcase people I grew up with, bands that I grew up with that meant something to me and kind of give them a little window into that world to give them some perspective and hopefully Mm -hmm. inspire them and kind of educate them a little bit, like drop some Mm -hmm. knowledge on them. And that's yep. how I kind of give back to that community because at 48, I'm not cramming into a tour bus. I have a fucking sleep apnea machine, for God's sakes. I'm not going I've on a fucking all that tour bus and eating ramen noodles <laughs> and um, you know old English 40s for three weeks straight. No. I'll fucking die. No. So you all don't I can do, do is sit here and talk to good fellows like you, talk about those days, talk <laughs> about our perspective, and hope somebody that's 25, 30 years old, even younger, 20, whatever, hears it right. and goes, man, dude, they like they really took me back to that era, and I can yep. get some wisdom from these guys. If they're smart, they'll listen, right. get some wisdom, and they'll apply that, and I think it'll push them along better than the knucklehead who won't listen to anybody that's you know our age. And there's plenty of them out there, you know. You know, I just, like, like I said, you know, if somebody comes up to me, I had a kid the other day come up to me, and he's having problems with his drummer. He's always drinking and getting fucked up. I'm like, how old are you? And he goes, well, we're all in our 18s. I go, dude, he's just trying to find his way out, man. You can't put pressure on him. You know, but if you're, if you're into your music and whatever, just find another drummer. I don't know. I said, the thing is, you're 18. Everybody's partying at 18, man. You went to school. For many years, you got to deal with your parents and all kinds of shit. So 
kind of you have up no on concept him. of how much life you have ahead of you at 18 years old. It is insane exactly. the amount of road that you have ahead of you. Oh my God, exactly. I've been through a, a lot of crazy drummers and bass players, and I've been. I'm not the best guitarist or the singer. I'm just having fun. So you know, people need to lighten up on each other and stuff. You know. Um, I don't know. I just I think that's a positive note to end the episode with. Everybody just yeah, needs to good. lighten up on each other. All right, Dave. Yeah. And thank you yeah. enough for spending 40 minutes thank with you. us. Um, before thank you go out the door, you got to tell us yeah. where to find you, what you got coming up. Tell us where we can find the podcast. Give us all things Dave Dalton and Die Laughing Records. Okay, you want to go to Die Laughing Records for all the information for podcasts and new records and information on shows, including Fang shows, Screaming Buddy Mary shows, Dead Kennedy shows. Go to www.dielaughingrecords.com. You'll find everything there you want, everything. And you can go on my Facebook, you know, Dave Dalton. Go to Facebook and find me. If you have any questions, uh, message me. I'll try to answer them, man. I'm open. I'm an open door. And everything. what's the one and thing... Tying up this year, what is the one thing you're most looking forward to between now and the end of the year? Uh, it's just to complete these next couple of releases for Die Laughing Records. Enjoy my family. Enjoy my son, Max. And uh, we have a big plan for next year, 2020, and there's some big bands I can't mention yet. Um, and, yeah, this is everybody have a good time, man. I, I don't, right you know, this is have a good time. That's it, you know. So, Nick, thank you so very much, and the young lady there. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That's our Osmosis lovely producer, D, and we will have you back in early 2020, and you can tell us about all the upcoming Die Laughing projects coming up. <laughs> yeah. You bet, buddy. Uh, osmosis rules. All right. Thanks, Dave. Thank you. Thank you so much. Alrighty, D, we have to get out of here because I'll I'll let a little behind the scenes secret. We're actually doing three interviews back to back because I'm a sick fucking maniac. Yes. Yes, you are. So we have to get out of here so I can pee, recharge, get my fidget spinner going, and get ready for the next interview. Mm-hmm. So take us out, D. I never know how to end these things. Bye.
tell you I'm not forgiving you for Shelly. I don't want you ever to fucking call me again. I don't want to be friends with you. I don't like you. I haven't liked you since the day I met you because you're only into one thing. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to talk to you. You're not my friend and you never were, so fuck off.